We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. What up, I'm Torre and it's Torre Show. And today... We've got Natari Guma Mbaho Wiene, one of those actors with a great, quiet power who you really can't forget. He plays Ronnie, one of the key characters on The Shy. He also had important roles on Treme, The Nick, The Newsroom, and many more. He's the son of immigrants from Uganda who earned an MFA in acting from NYU. And he's also a new father who's got a two-year-old and a second child coming any day now. The man is a true artist who makes documentaries and takes photographs and writes. And when I asked him to name great actors who've inspired him, he talked about learning from observing human nature and particularly from watching his two-year-old daughter. If you know anything about little kids, you know they don't act. They don't have masks. They just have reality all the time. And they just say and do what they really think all the time. And if you could be an adult who acts on stage as purely as a child lives with no mask, well, then you will be amazing. Well, Natari is consistently amazing. The Shy just came back for season two, so we started there. It's Natari Wiene on Torre Show. What has really been interesting for me in terms of just working on the shy, because uh, I'm not from Chicago, I don't know the world of this the story. It's, it was unfamiliar to me, so I didn't feel like I had the right necessarily to tell the story. So when I was offered the role, it was I was stunned because I didn't think I could do it, and I didn't really feel like I hand, had a handle on it. And even when the show was about to premiere for a season, I thought I was going to be like that was the end of me because I thought everyone was going to see through it and be like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. So it's been sort of like an out-of-body experience to have worked on this and then to see the response. And that just sort of goes back to like trying to answer your question, what, what makes something good? Because when you're trying to build a character, sometimes you're just trying to get to the, you want to tell the truth or get to the truth. And often in, in this craft, or when it comes to casting people, they'll look for the authentic over the good sometimes. Like they want to find mm-hmm. the real person from the real thing rather than someone who has, who's necessarily could be the best for the role. And I actually have a funny story to tell about that when I've auditioned for like, like different African roles and mm-hmm. go in and just speak in my normal voice. Uh, and I'd have like some casting director go, you're not African enough. And uh. I go, well, uh, both of my parents are from Uganda. I've like, I've, I, I feel like a child of both worlds. And but they were looking for the authentic. And then when I would go in for like another role, like a, like another African role, and like I'd, I'd put on my accent and I would speak like the character. When uh-huh. I went in, just to you know, and I carried that throughout. Uh-huh. It was a different feeling. Like you could see, they felt like they were dealing with the authentic. Uh, I, I realized it backfired for me a couple of times because I dropped the accent after the inter, like after the audition and go, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure to meet with you. And uh, I'm really excited about this project. And you could see they would be, they would be upset because they had felt like they were connecting with this real thing. And then when I would drop that and just start talking to myself, they felt like they were being hoodwinked or just like I was messing with them or, and I realized people just want to have the authentic experience, not necessarily uh, what you're talking about it being a, 
you know, it could be great, but if it's not authentic, then something's wrong. Well, yeah, yeah acting, is it not pretending to be real in fake circumstances? Yeah, it's, it's all make-believe. And that's what's so fascinating about, like, how much time we spend, you know, our obsession about, like, fake realities. <laughs> we just love tuning in. It's like, it's amazing. What do you love about acting? I really feel like I've been a, a student of human nature and I've always loved observing and trying to decipher people's um, intentions, people's body language, people's rhythm of speech. I've just been a, like a student of that and just acting has just been an outlet. Photography has been another outlet. Uh, right. Filmmaking has been another outlet. Writing plays has been another outlet. Acting is just one piece. I don't, you know, I don't. I consider myself more of an artist than I do like an actor, because uh, I'm not sure that that's necessarily what I do best. It's just what I've sort of made the most money out of so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you get this job on the shy, and you say, mm -hmm. "Okay, I don't really know anything about Chicago," did you mm -hmm. then say, "Okay"? Let me walk around and just look at the city and try to figure out, you know, what the city is about and what I can bring to it. Yeah, it actually had worked in Chicago back in 95. I had a lead role in this play at the Steppenwolf Theater. And that was my first time in Chicago. And that was back in the day of Cabrini Green. And the Bulls were reigning supreme. And Oprah Winfrey had her studio there and you had these extremes in terms of like the world of Cabrini Green and then the extremes of like Michael Jordan and Oprah Winfrey and we were rehearsing this play at Steppenwolf in Oprah Winfrey's studio and I remember she came by rehearsal once and I was so focused on the work <laughs> on the rehearsal <laughs> I didn't go over everyone went over to say hello and I was like I'm just focused on my work <laughs> I didn't want to that's how like focused I was. I didn't. I tried not to get swept up in the. I was really just about focusing on my work. But I never got to. And even we had. We were invited to Michael Jordan's restaurant. Oh wow! Uh, to go because the show was a big hit, and so I felt like we were embraced by, like, that part of Chicago. But there was another side of Chicago that I didn't get to see and experience, which was South Side, which is Cabrini Green, um, which is the world of the shy, which we're depicting on the show. And so when I was cast uh, this time for this piece, I just, you know, I felt like I had never been able to plug into it before, and I wasn't sure how to even begin to plug into it, it this time, apart from watching, you know, YouTube videos and listening to Common's music, and, you know. Mm. Uh, so by the time we arrived on set, I really didn't have a chance to, you know, we were filming before I'd done the research that I'd hoped to do. So I felt like it was really like a Hail Mary pass. And <laughs> I'm just grateful, <laughs> grateful it landed somewhere. So you had two moments in the first season that really blew me away and I imagine were very difficult to prepare for as an actor. Um, first, you... Uh, you, you accost a kid who you think has killed your uh, your was it your nephew, Ado and adopted son, yeah. your adopted son, and you are shaking him and you are furious at him and you shoot him, mm -hmm. ha and and you 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 really had to bring up this really sharp rage, which is justified because of the familial connection, but at the same time. You, we all know that this man should not be accosting this boy. Um, mm -hmm. Talk about how you prepared for that moment, because it's a deep, layered, big emotional moment. It's operatic in scope. It's like you know, yeah. a Greek tragedy. Yeah. A Greek tragedy in terms of, and that's what was hard to me, just even to, when we had to audition for the, when I had to audition for the role, that one of the audition scenes was, uh, Ronnie is high. He's talking to the kid that he killed, like the ghost of the kid he killed. Yeah. 
that was the that was the audition and i was like how am i supposed to play this i had no <laughs> i had no eye concept of how to i'm i'm high and i'm talking to the kid the ghost of the kid i killed like i have yeah. never i haven't seen that on tv before and i wasn't sure like you know i i couldn't wrap my head around it how to play it and even that scene where you're just referencing where he he confronts Kugi and in my mind uh, accidentally shoots him um, it could be open to interpretation, I guess. I still didn't know how to play that. So sometimes you just have to just say the words <laughs> and not not get in the way of the words uh, or the actions. And I think sometimes as an actor, there's a a danger of of doing too much or getting in the way of oneself. And when there's something so dense and complex that's on the page, sometimes the real challenge is just to take your time and try to take one step at a time, beat by beat, and work through each moment. Because uh, sometimes the, the urge might be to rush through something or to, to go right for the, the the jugular. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, how you keep from getting ahead of the work or in front of the work, mm-hmm. but allow the work to shine. I mean, so many people, I think, want themselves to shine but if you make the work shine then everybody wins how do you do that well i think that's i guess it's about finding balance really and and it really starts with the work on the page because there's some stuff that no matter what you do it's not going to resonate uh or you um but with this i felt it was so rich and i felt like i was surrounded by incredible people that um I just had to sort of get out of the way and let it speak for itself. For me, not being from Chicago, I, 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 that was my thing was like not to try to do too much, but really to try to feel like I was channeling something and, and being just open and not coming in with preconceived ideas of how it should play, but trying to be in the moment and react in the moment. Uh, sometimes you can come with preconceived ideas of how this should play out and you can't help that. Just like you've prepared for this conversation in some way, you watch the show, you knew you have some beats that you want to talk about, but at a certain point you, you'll feel free to just go, let it go where it wants. Or, and I think that's the same thing you try to bring with the work instead of having like my 10 list of questions that I have to hit at this point at the two sec, two minute mark or whatever to be a little, you know, play it like free jazz. Uh, or mm. Nick Coleman style. So a little more improvised in the moment, that sort of thing? Yeah, totally. I, there were some times where they would say, we, we want you to do, we're, we got to get some coverage, we want you to do this thing again. And I didn't know that I had done that because I, had, I, had, <laughs> I hadn't been calculated. And I didn't even remember like what I had, what had happened. Like, it was just... I mean, to get to that place where you wouldn't remember what happened, what is happening internally are you sort of doing the scene and sort of turning off the conscious brain and just sort of like being really purely in the moment i wish i could say that (laughs) it was this is why this this role has been challenging in a way for me there's other roles where i feel like i could go off and improvise as the character and i felt like i understood the world of the the play or the, the of the of the show or whatever the character's from and I would lose myself in it. This was different where I felt like it was more from the outside in. I was like technically doing things. I was aware of the camera in a ways sometimes. Or I'd be thinking, it's sort of like having an out-of-body experience where you have, you're aware of what's happening, but you're not present, but then you're wanting to be present. <laughs> you know, you're trying to pull yourself back into your body. But then mm-hmm. by the time you're trying to do that, there's already the thing's already gone. So it was just like we're having this conversation. You could be thinking about your kids or you could think about your wife or what do you have to do for dinner tonight? But you're still having the same conversation with me. You're still listening, engaged, but your brain is is also dealing with several different things at once. So it was, a, it was interesting to be present, to be saying something, but feeling something different mm. and then trying to get to a different place. So I'd never had that sort of happen with while working at, on any role before it, except for this, yeah. When you got shot 
in the first season. Um, that was another sort of massive human moment that you had to portray. And I assume you've never been shot. So, you know, you had to sort of, (laughs) so you have to make that sort of moment up. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you prepare and how do you do that moment where you're getting shot and make it, you know, authentic and, and real? Uh, That was just a sense of play, you know, it was like, um, Another thing that's hard or one of the trappings of of this type of work or you're doing serious dramas is sometimes taking it too seriously uh, uh, and going too far or too far over the edge um, and trying to, um, yeah, and sometimes making things too sacred, I guess, mm. is some is one of the trappings that can happen. And so... I think that was the hard, hard, one of the hardest things was that the, it, since it was operatic in scope or almost like Greek tragedy, was trying not to trying to pull, stay on the edge of going over, you know, not to try to walk mm. that line. Yeah. Uh, so when you get shot, just trying to, you know, simplicity is a virtue, I guess. Just trying to remember that. It takes a lot of courage to just go for the simple choices because so many actors seem to want to have the big extra choices you know that don't that aren't mm-hmm. just those simple choices um mm-hmm. well that's so great sometimes when you have those hidden camera things is how it's the simplicity the simple moments that are like so incredible to watch like when somebody's doing an interview and the camera's rolling and before the interview has started it's just mm-hmm. those moments before where people are simple or just not not putting on the, uh, I guess we could call it fabricated authenticity that are so alive and electrifying. And that's what I've always been fascinated by and trying to see how to get to that because it's mm-hmm. not as interesting once the, cam- once the cameras start rolling. It's not as interesting to watch. It's not as interesting to see someone try to be good or technically proficient. It's really interesting just to see when all that artifice slips away. You teach acting at uh, USC. What are some of the, the big things you try to teach your students? Uh, I teach a class at USC. Actually, I actually have class today <laughs> at three o'clock. Um, and the class I teach is called Free Play. Uh, and Free Play, it's literally that title. We, it's We free play. It's like... The, what I'm trying to do with a class is basically recreate a class that I, I wish I had had when I was in grad school at NYU. Um, we didn't have any on-camera class when I was at school because uh, I was in school in the, in the dark ages before cell phones <laughs> existed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, camcorders were like a brick that you had to carry around. So I, I, I created this class to help demystify the camera. And we basically make short films, and the kids write, produce, direct, edit. They do everything just to help sort of demystify the camera, um, because for a lot of people, the camera is like the makes them freak out. It makes them freak out. It's like the <laughs> you know the, the 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 creepy uncle in the room. Yeah, I mean, even if the camera's and, not on, people will. Mm-hmm suddenly act different and start leaping around and waving and like get like their eyes get big and i'm like mm-hmm. why what why can it's hard to remain yourself you have to learn yeah. to remain yourself while you're being watched by the camera right 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 that's one thing that's part of what i was trying to we're all trying to figure out uh in this class is just how the camera is like your inner window uh, mm. and it's your like your best friend it's like your it's like a window into your soul and if you allow it to be so that's what we're trying to play with and continuously trying to figure out and it's it's hit or miss cuz it's a mystery partly that we're all still trying to figure out mm, mm. um how do you learn your lines for me it's about trying to understand what the person's trying to say, where, why they're trying to say it. 
I never really think about learning the lines. I'm really about trying to understand what's going on with this person in this moment. What are they trying to communicate? What are they trying to get? Usually when I've understood that, the words somehow come. Um, and it's different, different with each kind of show or role that you're doing because some roles are, you know, if you're playing a doctor and you have to rattle off all this technical jargon, it's mm. it's a different sort of muscle that you have to use. Or if you're doing a scene where it's a breakup of a relationship, you know, it's a different muscle that you're using as well. Uh, so it, it really varies from each role. But the great writing, really, it's not it's never a challenge for that to come because mm. it all sort of makes sense. Uh, yeah. I'm curious when you get the script and you've gotten the job and you get the script, what do you do first? Uh, I sort of break the script down um, and just sort of beat by beat what's happening, when and where and what time. Um, and it does vary for role to role. Uh, like, for example, in The Shy, first season, I there was a lot of stuff I just didn't understand necessarily about the world or I needed to have someone from Chicago walk me through it. And Curtis Toller was a sort of creative consultant on the show and he's someone who has turned his life around uh, from living, you know, he had lived in a sort of, a, I guess, had been in part of the gang system and had turned his life around and uh, had done t his time and and had transformed in a way. And so I, I'd sought him out and would literally show him my lines and say, is this how you would say it? And sometimes he would give me a different version, and then I would bring that version and suggest that we try that. Uh, or sometimes he'd give me a line reading because I would say, "How would you like? What would you do here?" And so that for me was like trying to tap into into him and stealing, basically stealing everything that he gave me, or I could get from him to try to bring those words to life. Uh, mm. So he he was like. It was like watching someone do on the dance floor and then trying mm. to figure out how to do that, those steps. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. 
Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. We'll get back to the show in one second, but I just want to make sure that if you want to have a good day, you've got to have the right underwear, right? I just want to put it on, not think about it. Just do your job and let me go over here and do my job. Because I don't want to be in a meeting or talking to a friend and have my underwear riding up and calling attention to itself. And I'm like, um, can I um, excuse myself and go to the bathroom because my underwear is riding up? Like, cause it's been a, That's so corny. I don't ever want to have that. Well, a couple months ago, the good people at Saks Underwear sent me a whole bunch of pairs. And I've been wearing their stuff every day. And... I never have to think about them. I put them on. They look good. They do their job. They hold me in place. And they never ride up. And I'm just comfortable under my clothes all day long. That's what Saks Underwear is all about. They've got this ballpark pouch that keeps everything in place. It's got internal mesh panels. It's got super soft moisture wicking fabric. So it just lets you be comfortable. And when you're comfortable down there, you can focus on your mind, your heart, and doing other things that propel you and your career and your family forward. Saks is the underwear that I am most happy to wear. I will reach past other pairs and find the Saks underwear and wear that. It's the best underwear that I've worn. So check it out. They're going to give you, because of me, okay, they're going to give you $5 off your first order and free shipping if you use the promo code TORE at checkout, T-O-U-R-E. So go to SaxUnderwear.com. That's S-A-X-X Underwear.com. Use the promo code TORE, T-O-U-R-E, at checkout, and you'll get $5 off. But really, it's great underwear. I want you to have it anyway. Go check out some Saks Underwear. When you think about today's greatest actors, who are you thinking about? Who do you look at and learn from and, and, and you know, just be in awe of as an actor or an actress? I don't know that I look towards the actors as that. I look towards people in real life. Okay. Uh, uh, and trying to get to that, really. Um just like my daughter, <laughs> I'm just baffled by because she can go from one one motion emotion to like the next, and 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 knows when to turn it on, and when to turn it off. How old? And uh, she just turned two. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, there's a real <laughs> science experiment in human emotion. Cause yeah, she's, she's not controlling. She's not performing. She's yeah. just being. Exactly. So that's for me is like, I'm just watching her. <laughs> like, I'm so, trying to get to that. So wait, what are you so to, you trying to get to a more pure uh, a, a expression of emotion? Uh, well, I think being a parent does that, first of all, because <laughs> uh, there's just something that happens once you have, you know, you just when you have this life that's depending on you, there's a heightened sort of awareness. Yeah. Uh, so I'm be interesting to see what, how my work actually changes now that I'm a newfound parent. I'm actually expecting our, we're expecting our second child in like 20 days. Oh, wow. So, Oh, wow. Congratulations. Uh, so very, <laughs> thank you. So it's a very rich time. And, but I'm, I'm actually curious to see how being a parent will change my craft. Cause I feel like there's, there's, we talk about being life before you have kids and life after. Yeah. Just as in terms of your in terms of you as a, a human, like how do you 
how you work, like that's a pivotal moment, but I never really thought about how that changes you in your craft as well. But I think there's a direct correlation in terms of my work that I do. I mean, uh, I have, and, I have being, and being a parent, I have two kids and I know that, uh, yeah, having children gives you a greater sense of responsibility. It makes you want to do more meaningful things in terms of your work. Mm -hmm. Um, it also makes you more willing to do, you know, whatever you got to do to take care of them mm -hmm. and pay the bills. Um, mm -hmm. But I remember being in the hospital after my son was born, uh, my first child, and this immense sense of responsibility. Oh, my God, I have to take care of this person. I have to teach mm -hmm. him things. I have to make money to mm -hmm. take care of him. Um, it, the, the joy was quickly tempered by, oh my God, and now I have to take this home and take care of it. <laughs> yeah, did, no, did you, it's true. Did you get sort of weighed down? I mean, like you become sort of, you know, more a grown up when you have other people you got to take care of and you got to sublimate your life to take care of them. Did some of that kick in yeah. for you? Well, I feel like I, when they say, you know, children come with blessings, mm -hmm. uh, I feel like that was really the case for me because my daughter was born February 13th of 2017. And I got the call with the offer for the shy less than 24 hours after they were born when I was in the hospital. Wow. So I was, I was at the hospital bedside <laughs> uh, with my daughter and got the call from my rep saying, you got this job, the job that you didn't think you were right for. Uh, and I was just... You know, I'll never forget that moment because my world transformed in ways I'm still digesting and will yeah. be understanding for a long time to come with the birth of my child and the, my first series regular role starring on a TV show. Wow. Um, and they say, careful what you wish for, because I think um, you always, I, I, you want to be challenged in whatever you do. Uh like that was my thing. I want to be able to try to do work that's going to challenge me in new ways. Um, and this, for me, you know, this show is challenging me in ways that I'd never been challenged before. Just like a parent being a parent is challenging in ways I'd never been challenged before. Tell me about some of the ways that the shy is challenging you as you've never been challenged. I know you talked about having to learn Chicago yeah and incorporate mm -hmm. that. But more than that, how is it challenging you beyond you've ever had to deal with? Because I'm having to work out of my comfort zone. Uh, and also just, I think, if we just want to talk about, you know, being black in America and the complexities of that and what we talk about authenticity and and you know, what is the authentic voice? And we, we just look at look at how we responded to Obama when he first came out. Mm -hmm. People didn't, the black American community didn't embrace him right. right at the forefront, right at the beginning. No. Look at Whitney Houston. She got booed at what, what, uh, I can't remember what the awards, awards, ceremony she was at mm -hmm. there's like there's in there's like strong we have like strong beliefs about who is authentic and who is not and who has the right to who has the right to be the voice of you know and so i was very cautious and scared about taking on this role because I was aware, you know, Lena says she's she's tired of people coming in from the outside and telling their stories. And I felt like I was another person from the outside coming in. They're bringing me in. Mm. So it was a challenge for me to, to say, well, I've been given the opportunity. I can't shoot myself in the foot. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because I feel, you know scared about this i gotta figure out how to navigate through this um and that's where it's been like i was saying sort of partly an, an out-of-body experience 
to try to do the work and then to see the response that it's perceived and yeah do you do you have to respect the character do like like what is the emotional relationship that you need to have with the character I'm still trying to figure out the character like he's still the <laughs> second season I think second season I think we, we we get to delve in more to the role like in terms of who he is and where he's come from season one he was a mystery to me throughout the whole season really I didn't know like where he, what kind of school he went to did he finish school did he drop out why did he go into the army what was his experience when he was there what 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 caused this guy to be who he you know to be you know he's surrounded by these strong women his grandmother and the woman the girlfriend uh who you know they they basically like pummel him uh and that's a specific type of man who's drawn to that uh why is that so it was really i didn't have those answers in the first season and i couldn't really make them i didn't have the time or the luxury to make them up to help me through it i just had to say the words try to get out of the way mm. you know uh, and try to find a way to say the words like a chicago and would say i'm not the way i would you know or the mm. way curtis toller would say it um and hope that it would work and i think i you know i thought i was going to get replaced halfway through the show it was only the fifth fifth episode i was like it's too it's too late they've already shot shot so much stuff because <laughs> they did replace some people before and i was like well that's my turn might be coming so uh, but at the fifth the fifth episode i was like they've already shot too much stuff to do reshoots uh, so i guess i better just <laughs> keep going i'm really uh, grateful that um, i'm here talking to you Talk about you've been on the screen and on the stage. What's the difference in the way that you act when you're in front of the camera versus in front of an actual audience? Well, I think the big thing for me is my performance on The Shy is in the hands of so many other people. So if my stuff shines, it's not just me who's making that. It's the editing room. It's the the, the the DP it's the it's the sound it's the you know there's it goes through so many other filters before it gets onto the screen whereas on stage it's you and the audience uh, I mean there is there is lights and there's sound and there's wardrobe but it's your eyeballs on this human being like in front of you that you could throw your shoe at and hit in the head you know. Uh, but on camera and on TV, uh, they say the performance is like made in the editing room. Um, and I've seen different cuts of the show where my performance is very different. Mm. Paced because you could see there's what, it, what happens is the show goes through the first person who gets the pass is the director. The director's cut is first. Then there's the producer's cut of the episode. And then after the producers get their cut, the network has their cut. Mm. So, and I've seen episodes like that episode, this, the scene I was talking to you about where my character was smoke high and talking to dead Coogie, very different interpretations from the director's cut to the network cut, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. the producer's cut. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, you know, there was one version that I liked more that didn't make it on the air. Um, but it's out of your hands and that's what's so hard you know sometimes as an actor on on tv is like you, you have to let it go uh, and that's what makes you know when you're filming your scenes is not making it so precious is that it's so much is out of your hands anyways um mm. that my performances they're going to edit some of the script down they might cut a line here or the camera might be on the other person at this point uh in this dialogue and so not putting so much weight on it and just trying to say the words, yeah, no, I think I'm repeating myself. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah. No, no. Not but it getting must, in the way of it. But it must be hard. It's hard to not get in the way of it. I mean, that's, that's with anything that you want to do. It's, it's, it's hard mm -hmm. to, to find that space to get out of the way of it. Yeah. I think more, I think my interest really, like, uh, I'm really interested in writing and directing as well. And I think, uh, being an actor is, is, 
has been incredible. But I think in terms of being on on camera and, and working in film and TV, I mean, the real talent and creative flow is really on the, especially on TV, is like in the producing side uh, or being a creator of a show. Yeah, that's really where the, well, the juice is. You know, a lot of people, uh, myself included, want to get to that position that you're talking about, creating mm-hmm. a show. Mm-hmm. How do you do it? Mm-hmm. How do we get? Mm-hmm. How, how do you get from where you stand to Lena Waithe and creating a show? How do yeah. what, how do you do it? Well, let's talk because you've had some amazing guests on your show, mm-hmm. and some of them have put some amazing ideas together. And I'm wondering, have you ever connected people to say, you know, you said in this when I talked to you here, you said this was really amazing, and when I talked to you, you said something, and I think we could connect you to. Has that ever happened for you? Um, n- no, not, not yet. Not a connection okay. between guests. It's more, for me, it's more of a, um, a, a one-way spark. Somebody says something, it sparks something in me that I'm like, oh, this could be a, cre- that, like, I could do a show about that. I could create an episode mm-hmm. around that. Um, mm. y- you know. Because Tiffany Haddish, I, yeah, go ahead. No, no, just no. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna say your Tiffany Haddish interview was amazing. Thank you. Uh, but she had you asked her what would she like to do? Like, does she have a project that she wants to do? Mm. And she said she wanted to do a reverse coming to America. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yes, yes. <laughs> and I was like. I have to be in that show, that movie. <laughs> when she goes, when she goes back to Africa, uh, and I was like, I gotta tell Toure that this was that was such a great interview, and um, and if we can, I don't know where she is with that idea, but I want to relay a message through your show to her people if they ever hear this <clears throat> that uh-huh. Toure facilitated this <clears throat> creation of this piece. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh, but what do you want to do and how, how, what is your plan for getting there? Uh, I think really the, the great thing is to surround yourself with people who challenge you, uh, and people who are at the top of their game. And I feel really. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamin, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Best to have been able to work with, you know, Steven Soderbergh on The Nick, who I still keep in touch with, and David Simon and Eric Overmeyer on Treme, and uh, some of the best people who are working on uh, telling stories on. And I, I, I really, the ultimate dream is to continue to do so. Um, not just in television, but in film, and to also create stories as well. 
I mean, I think about creating something like like writing something and then going to a production company and getting them excited about it and going out into the marketplace together to try to get somebody to want to produce it and make it, you know, maybe attach somebody who's, a, you know, who's a star who wants to be a part of it. Like that's the the path that has been explained to me that I've seen part of that work uh, in my own life. Um, mm -hmm. But I wonder somebody who's so much closer to the, uh, you know, to, to the whole, the town and the game and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, is mm -hmm. that, I mean, is that what you would do? Sort of like, you know, let me go off and like develop an idea and then come back with a script and like try to get somebody attached. Is that, is that the way you would do it? Um, I've been making my own like short films and doing the festival circuit with those for a while. And I've mm -hmm. been grateful that I've been winning some awards and have opened doors. Um, so I, I like being an artist, I think for me is like a curse. It's like, hmm? like I, I'm always constantly creating stuff and sharing that with whoever will be willing to listen. And, um, I'm hoping that, you know, that's what I'll continue to do until I'm, I can no longer do so. But yeah, I'm, I'm continue. I'm always shooting stuff and creating new, new work. Um, but I've, been working at it more so like stuff that I've been doing things that's within my means <clears throat> like whenever I'm traveling someplace whenever I go back to Uganda or if I'm traveling for work uh, I will shoot stuff like mm -hmm. shoot footage on my own and just have this library of footage that I've been amassing from my travels uh, and I've been constantly playing around with that footage and that's that's been sort of the what I've been drawing from, from my short films. Um, and I'm working on something now that I'm hoping to expand into a longer piece than a short film. But Issa Rae, Lena Waithe, um, you know, all these guys just started by doing things that were there with, were within their own means mm. and, and not waiting to have, you know, all the perfect pieces in place. They created, you know, started off simple, as you, we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. uh, and then from that, they were, they were doing, you know, as, as Malcolm S says, by, uh, by any means necessary. Yeah. They were doing, they had to create by any means necessary. They weren't waiting for the name actor, the A-list actor to, to jump on board. They weren't waiting for the multi-million dollar budget to come through, they were creating it within their means um, because they're an artist, they're artists, and they had to do that. Uh, and you're lucky sometimes when that work resonates, but there's plenty of people who just paint, like love to paint, and they paint in their garage on the Sundays and the weekends. That work never sells, but it's just they're, they just have that passion. Mm. Uh, we're just for fortunate to be you know, in a position where we'll go and paint in our garage, but someone comes and says, wow, this is, I, you know, we got to get this out there. You got to share this in a way. Or you know someone who appreciates it and wants to share it further. Yeah. I mean, Issa's example as a, as a super aggressive DIY, you know, just get it done creator who used the web mm -hmm. to tell the world mm -hmm look what a great creator actress I am. And then that tradition, mm -hmm. and then that transitions into traditional media. I, I, I mean, mm -hmm. that is a, that is a fantastic pathway that almost anybody can utilize. If you know how to pinch the pennies enough to make something that is great for the web. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was, she just had a calling, you know, and, that's part of what I'm trying to do in my class is to inspire these kids to to create their own, to shoot stuff on their phone. Soderbergh's shooting movies on his iPhone. I think the the last one he just did on Netflix was shot on an iPhone. Uh, so there's no, it's not like 20, 30 years ago where, you know, the tools are out of reach for the average person. The tools are literally in the palm of your hand now. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah.
No, it's crazy how much power our phone gives us. Um, yeah, yeah. God, you know, I loved Treme, and I, I, I can't, I can't get out of here without just talking about that a little bit because it was just such a beautiful <laughs> show, and it existed at this really bittersweet moment in the history of New Orleans that this horrible thing had mm -hmm. happened, but people were mm -hmm. rising back up, but they were dealing with the pain of, you know, the bureaucracy, the, the, you know, the, the horrific thing that had happened, the lack of resources. And yet this spirit was rising up and people were like, you know, I, I mean, just to think about these moments <clears throat> when people were like, so, you know, what happened to your house? Uh, yeah, mine got killed. Yeah, what happened to your house? Yeah, mine got killed too. Like, and it's just like a data point of like, how you doing? How's your house? Mine's bad. Mine's mm -hmm. too. Okay. And like, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and he was so great at letting music and food and the flavor of New Orleans really come through the screen. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, th th that was an extraordinary experience to watch. I'm sure it was an experience, uh, extraordinary experience to make. <clears throat> it was really great. Uh, that was another place where I didn't know the world. I'd never been to New Orleans before. And it was, you know, it, New Orleans, like Chicago or like New York City or like, you know, South Central L.A. are, you know, you just say those names and yeah. a flood of a flood of images come your way. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's strong similarities between the shy and Treme is that the creators of both shows had a, had have a profound love and connection to each city, and in that way, the those, the cities in each place are like the stars of the show, and they're trying to give us a window into the worlds that we hadn't we you know don't get to see in too often on on screen. Um, and another great thing for me, I think, especially with the second season of The Shy, is how they allow moments to sit still. They allow us to take time. Mm. And we were just talking about this last night at the premiere, how uh, I felt like this season for me was a gift because there were so many moments of stillness and there were so many moments without without dialogue. Mm. I think some of I think some of Ronnie's most powerful moments in the second season were didn't involve dialogue where I mm. got to go through a range experience something uh that was conveyed through you know through some emotion some this the state that this character was in and that was this there was something similar about Treme where they they dared to take as much time as they could mm. in telling that story. They, I, I haven't been on any show which is so deliberate in its pacing. There was no rush to tell their story. Mm. Like they would sit in it, like, and you don't see that on TV because there's like a rush. There's like quick cuts. There's a rush to get to the next beat. You know, there's music underscoring things just to keep the pace going. But the music underscored each scene in Treme and even in The Shy was for a different layer, for a different flavor, not necessarily for the pacing, not necessarily to drive the scene because they were worried you're going to get bored, but because it was the pulse of the city. It was, you know, the heartbeat of this character. Um, and I think that's... I feel really lucky to have been able to work on both shows because it's there's a deep, profound love for for the people and the city and trying to tell those stories. When you have those moments when you're asked to express without speaking, is that more challenging mm -hmm. or is that no, liberating? No. It's, it's, I, I find that much more. I'd rather do that. Because that's for me. I'm, I'm much more interested in how we communicate, like through silence, than I am. Sometimes I find words fall short uh, of trying to get at um, conveying something. Uh, 
there's 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 just something there's just some, I guess something magical that happens in nonverbal communication that I'm I'm more interested and in, more curious about and how to figure that and how to tap that. Um, and it's you know we're we're on a, a radio show a podcast so it's 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 purely language as we're communicating this but um, just that pause or the breath in between or the you know pregnancy before the next thought is delivered I'm also just as curious about that mm. um, yeah I'm, I'm I guess I've always been more fascinated about about mystery than 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 I have been in in something that's sort of that's something that's really direct and I'm uh I'm just as curious about the mystery as I am about something that's really clear. I mean, you know, don't, don't tell them all my secrets. You and I are not together, but generally uh, I do this podcast face to face. But when I do mm -hmm. one uh, that's studio to studio, you're in L.A. and I'm in New York. I, I see mm -hmm. the difference because being face to face, we can have a more intimate conversation because I can... You know, I can see you and I can know when you're done talking and I can see how your body is reacting to the different questions and you can see my, yeah. you know, and, and, and all that body language is a big part of the conversation. Um, and I feel a little handicapped when that is taken away and we're, you know, on the phone. Um, no, but, it's just like even just talking to you just now, I realized like, there was a point I had my head on my hand. My uh -huh. eyes were closed, uh -huh. and I'm just talking, but I'm not looking at anyone. And then I realized Felicia, who's in the booth, is like, she probably sees me and goes, "This guy's crazy." Like, he's <laughs> he's hold. I'm sitting like a crazy person on the sidewalk because I have my head in my hand, my eyes are closed, and I'm like looking down and talking to myself. <laughs> it's like, but it's because because you're not here. You know, we're in different spaces, so it's like I don't have to. I don't need my vision to have the conversation uh but that's part of what you were talking about that's part of what you were talking about with the acting that moment when you can lose yeah. yourself and just be in the moment and just talking and not yeah. thinking about is somebody watching me but just doing yeah and I, I had that same experience as i have in the show just in this conversation because i realized i was doing something and then i realized somebody might be watching this and they might think i'm it's bad and then I snapped out of it and then I realized it doesn't matter it's too late <laughs> uh, um, but yeah that, there's something about the non-verbal communication that, that, that I find when you can walk into a room and you have a connection with someone mm. before you've even said something and what is that or how does that happen um, or you can feel someone's body language when someone's upset at you before they've even said something, before they've oh, even yeah. said what it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, that's, uh, that's, I'm infinitely fascinated by those things. Thanks to Natari for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. I'm on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and tell your friends about the show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Chris Colbert. Our editor is Brandon Tago. Our photographer is Chuck Marcus. We're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we'll be back next Wednesday with more knowledge from amazing folks because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. 
My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. 